The past examples, Q equals MC delta T, that was great if you don't have a change of state or change of phase. So in all the last examples, liquid, liquid water stayed liquid water and the iron stayed as solid iron, etc., etc. But you can also calculate energy changes when you do have a phase change, like when you go from solid to liquid, like ice melting, or if you go from liquid to gas, solid to gas, etc., etc. The matter will continue to absorb the energy during the phase change. However, the temperature is going to be constant. So let's look here at ice and let's say we have two kilograms of it, 2000 grams, and it's right at the melting point, zero degrees Celsius. Um, it takes about 500 kilojoules to turn most of the ice anyway into liquid water. All right, you can see the liquid waters around it. There's still a little bit of solid thing, but notice the temperature. You're still at zero degrees Celsius. So when you have a phase change, solid to liquid or liquid to gas or any of those combinations, all right, the temperature does not change. The state of matter changes, but not the actual temperature, all right? These things are considered isothermal, which just means a constant temperature. There's different ways to represent these, but if you don't have a change of state, all right, so for example, there's an iron being heated up from zero to 557 Celsius, that's when you can use MC delta T. And that's really cool. All right. And if you heat water between 20 degrees Celsius and 99 degrees Celsius, that will be liquid water the whole time. You can also use MC delta T. Specific heat again represents the sample at that phase. However, if you do have a phase change, like in this example, going from solid to liquid, then the Q value almost always is the heat of something times some kind of mass. And I apologize that I don't have a really nice equation for it, but all of these heats have different kinds of pieces to them. Um, this is the first one we're going to look at here. This is called the heat of fusion for water. Uh, Water. And if you take ice and you turn it into liquid water, it takes 333 joules per gram to go from ice to liquid water. So in this case, the heat of something is this heat of fusion. It's 333 joules per gram. And the mass, which I have in parentheses or quotations right there, uh, would be the mass in grams. Not all heats have joules per gram. Some of them are kilojoules per mole, for example. So I put it in mass in brackets there or quotations because sometimes it'll be moles, sometimes it'll be grams, but you just get rid of that number. You want to have only joules left over at the end. Q is, again, a measure of heat exchange. It's going to be joules, kilojoules, stuff like that. You don't want to have grams or moles or anything like that most of the time. Let's determine the heat of fusion in joules per gram for lead if 6.30 kilojoules of heat are required to convert 255 grams of solid lead to a liquid at its melting point. So what this is saying is that we've got 255 grams of solid lead and we're adding 6.30 kilojoules to make it go to a liquid. 
The heat of fusion is literally the heat required to turn a solid into a liquid. And it's always going to have units of, oh, well, almost always anyway, <laughs> joules per some kind of mass. And in this case, let's turn 6.30 kilojoules into joules. And remember, a kilo of anything is a thousand. So 6.30 kilojoules times a thousand joules per kilojoule, we'll get that into joules. And we'll divide that number by 250. Grams, and we'll be left then with so many joules per gram. If you do this, it comes out to be 24.7 joules per gram. And again, 6.30 kilojoules means 6.30 times 10 to the third, or 6,300 joules. <laughs> and you divide that by the mass, 255 grams, 24.7 joules per gram. And this is literally how they figure these numbers out. And again, every compound has its own heat of fusion. This is what scientists will figure out. So this is again a change of state. We went from a solid to a liquid. We're not just heating it up or cooling it down. In fact, there is no temperature change whatsoever with, with these changes of state. You're just figuring out the energy to go from a solid to a liquid. So let's look at a little bit more exotic example here. Um, this is an example where we want to figure out the energy required to melt 500 grams of ice at zero degrees Celsius and turn it into steam at 100 degrees Celsius. And we're going to need lots of different kinds of pieces here. Now, let's visualize, first of all, what's happening. We're starting on the bottom here with solid ice at zero degrees Celsius. And the 333 number, that's the heat of fusion. That's the energy required to turn ice into liquid water. And so initially, the liquid water is at zero degrees Celsius, but there is going to be an energy cost for turning the solid to a liquid. Um, to heat the liquid water from zero, where it was almost frozen a little bit ago, to 100, where we can turn it into steam, that's going to be a Q equals mc delta T. That's going to be one phase liquid water. We'll use the 4.184 number to figure that out. And finally, when we do finally get it to 100 degrees Celsius, this is liquid water, we can use what's called the heat of vaporization, delta H VAP. And that's a number that tells how much energy it takes to take a gram of liquid water and turn it into a gram of steam, of vapor water, gaseous water, okay? So this gas water over here, if you will, is 100 degrees Celsius. These kind of, this problem here is going to be a three-step problem. We're going to have a heat of something times the mass of something to figure out the energy required to take the ice to liquid water. The second step is going to be mc delta t. Well, we take the liquid water at zero Celsius and heat it up to 100 degrees Celsius. Finally, there's going to be heat of vaporization times mass of something to figure out the energy required to turn turn the liquid into a steam. So let's look on the next slide here as to how this all works out.
Sometimes you will see diagrams like this, which represent the transformations uh, going on of different pieces. If you see these kind of diagrams, um, temperature is usually the y-axis and the heat or joules usually is going to be the x-axis. So in our problem, we're starting at point B. All right, we have ice at zero degrees Celsius and we wanna see uh, how much energy it takes essentially to get to point E. Point E is when you have vapor or steam gaseous water at 100 degrees Celsius. So B to C is where we're going to use the heat of fusion times the mass. That's going to turn the solid ice into liquid water. Then going from C to D, that's an MC delta T. That's when we're going to use the 4.184 number to raise it. And notice how the temperature, the y-axis, does change during this point. And then finally, we're going to take point D, which is our liquid water at 100 degrees, and we're going to turn it into steam at point E, also at 100 degrees. So again, no phase change uh, during those parts. Also notice that the mass is constant. We're not adding or subtracting any mass here. We start with 500 degrees of 500 grams, excuse me, of ice, and we're going to end up with 500 grams of gaseous water at the very end. So sometimes people like using these kind of diagrams. It's totally up to you. Um, sometimes I find them very helpful and sometimes I honestly find them kind of annoying. <laughs> you do have to have the delta H of fusion and the delta H of vaporization. Those are numbers that I would definitely give to you or you could look up on Google, something like that. Um, but anyway, they're, they are constants and they're pretty cool. Let's do the math. So the first step is melting the ice. That's when we're gonna use the heat of fusion times the mass. We wanna make sure the mass term cancels. Our heat of fusion is 333 joules per gram. And since we have 500 grams, that makes that pretty easy. We'll just multiply them together, 1.67 times 10 to the fifth joules. That's the energy required to melt the ice. Now the second step is the MC delta T, where we're gonna heat the water from zero degrees Celsius to 100 degrees Celsius. So MC delta T, you can use Celsius or Kelvin again for the delta T, either way is fine. 2.09 times 10 to the fifth joules. Notice it took almost as much energy to melt the ice as it did to heat the water. These processes have a lot of hidden energy costs and stuff associated with them. And then the final step, we're actually going to take the liquid water and turn it into steam, and that's going to use the delta H VAP, the heat of vaporization. That's 2260 joules per gram for water. Multiply it by 500 grams, the mass part cancels out, 1.13 times 10 to the 6. Notice it's a whole magnitude of energy larger, like another power of 10. 10 to the 6 is bigger than the, the previous 10 to the 5s. It takes a lot more energy to turn liquid water into gas than it does the other two steps. But anyway, the overall energy is just going to be the sum of the energy required to melt the ice, the energy required to heat the liquid water, and finally the energy required to turn the liquid into a gas. And if you add all of those up, it comes out to be 1.51 times 10 to the 6. If you want to divide that by 1,000, turn it into kilojoules, which is totally fine, 1,510 kilojoules. Endothermic the whole way. Ice does not turn to steam without energy added, and that's an important consideration. 
We're going to talk more about heat transfer in Chem 222, but for right now, at least you see the idea of how this works out. It's not too bad. Follow the units and you'll be okay.